Praise God, that would be good. Anyway, um, we're going to get into the Word, but before we get into the Word, I just want to share something with you that happened uh, this week with, with us. Um, Susan and I, as our practice, you know, we get up in the morning and we have, you know, a bit of a discipleship time reading the Word of God and hearing from God. And sometimes, you know, we'll stop and we'll say, you know, can I share with you, you know, uh, what, what I've just got out of the Word? And that this week happened. And um, I was reading, I've been reading through Hebrews lately. Great book to talk about the discipleship and things like that. And there's a part that I just want to read, just a very short sentence, Hebrews 4 and verse 2. And he's actually talking here in Hebrews to the believers, but he's using the analogy of the Exodus and those that were wandering in the Exodus and got themselves a bit lost, okay? And he gives them this advice. He says, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply. When I read that, I thought, wow, that is so much what I want to see, what Rick wants to see, I'm sure what everybody wants to see is God affecting our lives. That when we come into his presence, that we would be affected deeply. And so I was reading and mulling over. When I told Susan, she actually had an interesting thought. She said, you know, it's wonderful and fantastic that we have the crew over there in the back that have been able to bring church to us as we've been in our homes and, you know, uh, not able to come to church like we used to with reduced numbers and all the rest of it. You know, that's fantastic. And certainly as I prayed before, Holy Spirit is right there. God is in our presence right there in those homes. But Susan said something I thought was very profound. She said, there's something about coming to church. Getting up in the morning and thinking, what am I going to wear? Getting myself ready, getting in the car, preparing your heart, and traveling to go to church. Because to me, there's something that we need to remember. And I actually say this to you as well, that are at home. Don't just get up and kind of wander through and sit in your chairs and do church. There's something, you are coming, even at home there, you are coming into God's presence. Hopefully that is coming through as we're in this place and you're at home. So even as you get ready for church, prepare yourself, prepare your heart so that when you come to church, wherever that is, whatever that looks like, whether it's in small groups and house fellowships, home services, whatever they want to call it, or whether it's on just you and your wife or on your own, we come into God's presence and prepare your heart. Amen? So in that way, let's just pray before we get into this word. Father, I thank you that you are everywhere, that you are omnipresent. And I thank you that as we come today, we choose to quieten our minds, to put behind us all the things of the week and that are going on. We come to this moment and we now ask for you to speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. We tune in as it were, we get that dial and we tune in to the power of Holy Spirit right now and we ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. And all the people said, amen. amen. Good. I wanna share a story I heard with you. Um, it's the story of a gentleman called Ignacy Jan Paderewski. He actually comes from Poland, and he was born in 1860 and lived through to 1941. 
This gentleman was a protege pianist and composer. At the age of six, he began learning the piano. At 12, he entered into the Warsaw Conservatorium of Music. And by the age of 18, he was declared a professor. Um, he then traveled the entire of Europe and across America, wowing audiences and mesmerizing them with his incredible, masterful skills on piano playing. And the story goes that there was one of these cities where Paderewski was about to come out and uh, the, the people were all in the concert hall and they had a ebony grand piano up on the stage there and the people were kind of just mingling and settling down in their chairs. And a woman had come to the concert with her little son in an effort to try and reignite a passion for the piano which he'd started to learn. But as she went to sit down, she turned around and her son wasn't there. He had actually got out of his seat and was walking up onto the stage and heading for the ebony grand piano. And he sat down at the piano before anybody could get to him and he started playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. At that point, Ignacy walked onto the stage and there was a bit like, gee, you know, the master is here. What's going to happen? But he walked up to the piano. He sat down alongside this boy, and he started to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star along with this boy. And he leaned across as the story goes, and he said to him, come on, keep going. You're doing a good job. That's it. And he started to play these counter melodies and this stuff alongside this boy. And what turned from an aghast audience thinking what is going to happen and you know poor Ignacy turned into this special moment that when he finished and he sent this little boy on his way the audience burst into applause but see for me when I heard that story it very much made me think of the journey and the job of Holy Spirit in our lives he's the master he's the one that brings himself to us He's the master, and to compare to him, what have we got? <laughs> We've got nothing. And yet, we can sit on that stage with the master, and he comes alongside of us, and he lends his masterful touch to us, and he can make a beautiful duet of music with each and every one of us. No matter who we are or what level we are at, the master wants to play a duet with you. I was thinking about that one, and I thought, what is it? Why would God, the God of this universe, want to share his stage with us? I mean, he's got everything he needs in order to do it all. But as I started to think on that, I thought, you know, he's the creator, and he has created us. And he wants us to be everything that we can possibly be. And he wants to be able to show us off to the world. He wants, that child went from being an imposition and a naughty little boy getting onto the stage when he shouldn't have been to suddenly a hero who had been playing with the master pianist. And that's the same for us. God wants us to walk with him through the power of the Holy Spirit and be able to walk in his strength. Not only that, 
But that child hopefully was so impacted by that moment that he did get that fire in his belly again to play the piano. And who knows, he might have grown up then to be a consummate pianist himself and go on to teach other people. Because see, that's what he wants. The Holy Spirit wants us to be so joined and excited by doing a duet with us that we then go out and touch other people's lives with what Holy Spirit has given to us. A couple of weeks ago, Rick phoned me and said, I want you to come back and preach. I haven't been up for quite some time, actually, about a year now. And he said, I want you to come and I want you to preach for me. And the topic I want you to preach on is Holy Spirit's role in discipleship. Well, I thought, that's good for me. <laughs> that's a passion for me. So that's what I want to. And I love it that we're doing a month on Holy Spirit because I come and I will give you, you know, this much on a particular topic. But as we come each week, somebody will build upon that and build upon it and give you the different aspects. So this is what I'm going to try and bring to you today. You know, that audience, as I said, they didn't want to hear that little child play but when he was accompanied by the master, they ended up in rapturous applause at the end of it. That's fantastic, and that's what we have in our lives. It is so important that as you invest yourself into people's lives, you are clear that what your job is and what Holy Spirit's job is in your lives. And I wanna talk a little bit about that today. As we walk with Holy Spirit, as we try to do this duet with him, how does it work? What's his role and what's our role? Holy Spirit is the one who causes spiritual growth in us. It is purely by him and it's not something that we can make happen in people's lives. It's a bit like a farmer. He can't make his crops grow. He has a part to play and he can put the seed in the ground and he can water it and he can put fertilizer on it and whatever else. But at the end of the day, he can't tell the seed to grow. That's a God thing. The seed sprouts into a plant. And it's the same way without the spiritual growth. I think sometimes we try to make it into a formula where we want to sort of just do this thing in our own strength. But you see, coming to maturity in God, that's a Holy Spirit thing. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we can truly come into maturity, spiritual maturity in God as we walk with him. It's a bit like getting saved. We can't get saved. It's impossible for us to get saved. We are bound in flesh and bone, bound in a mortal world. And yet somehow, as we kind of stumble towards God and reach out for this invisible God, he reaches down to us and a miracle happens. And the Holy Spirit comes and we are translated from this mortal flesh into suddenly a recreated spiritual being that can have fellowship with God and be involved in the kingdom realm of God. It's a miracle. So the Holy Spirit is a very, very important part of our lives. I want to give you just some, some little tidbits here of what he is. We are born again of the Spirit at salvation. We are sealed with the Spirit as a guarantee of eternity. We are indwelt by the Spirit um, as so that he is always with us wherever we are. We are baptized and filled with the Spirit that empowers us. 
We are made one in unity in the Spirit. We are given gifts of the Spirit. We are given ministries in the Spirit. We, he brings supernatural revelation to us of the Word of God. There is so much that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So we really need to be aware of him. When we're dwelling on the importance of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul certainly knew this. And if you read his books in the Bible, he is always encouraging his disciples and all the Christians that he was writing to, and to us, of course, through the Word, saying, walk in the Spirit. Pursue the Spirit of God. Understand Him. Get into the Spirit of God. He wrote there in um, Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord that I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Wow, there's a statement. When you read something like that, Paul is telling us that the Holy Spirit is Lord. Now, in reading that, I checked, I went through all the different uh, versions in the New King James Version, the, you know, all the different versions to get the wording and make sure it wasn't just one version, and then they nearly all agree. So it says here, Holy Spirit is Lord. So in saying that, does that in any way, shape, or form diminish the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives? I say no, because Jesus Christ himself said, I go now so that Holy Spirit comes so that I can live in you. So right there, we know there is this unity, there is this, comp the, this joining together of Jesus Christ himself and Holy Spirit, and it is only through the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives that we can actually have Jesus in our lives, that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit, they're one. The conundrum of the Trinity, you know, that is so hard to understand. So Holy Spirit is not something that we just tuck away that we know he's there and he comes as a messenger. He's not a messenger. He's not just an angel. He is part of the Godhead and lives in us. Once a person is a believer, Holy Spirit's job is not over. Far from it. The moment we get saved, he is just beginning the journey with us. And that we have to grow into that constantly over time. I'm convinced that we all need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And not just once when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you need to have an encounter with Holy Spirit again and again and again for the rest of your life. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at Hawkesbury Church well, back then, Hawkesbury Christian Center, back in 1982. It was an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. But there's been encounters, countless encounters with Holy Spirit over the years since then, ongoingly. And that is part of the journey that we have. And I always say that we are in a Pentecostal church here. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in his power and his ability to affect us, influence us, and to work through us. And so we should be moving towards that and letting Holy Spirit have his way in our lives. So in reality, it's the Spirit who does the work of growing us 
into mature believers in our lives so that we can have a fruitful Christian life. So if that's the case, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring us to maturity, you may ask, why is there not more fully mature believers in the church? And why are there so many baby Christians still? I know many people that have been Christians for five, 10, 20 years, and they're still struggling. They're still on milk. You know, the Bible talks about this a lot. So what is that? How do we move to maturity? What's the process here? So in this one, what is our role? I want to speak to you a little bit about that. Whilst the Spirit does the work of growth, we have to participate with Holy Spirit. Paul, when he was writing about this, he wrote to the believers in Philippi, and he said in chapter 2 and verse 12, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You know, a lot of our struggles in our walk is trying to understand the, our desires, God's desires and our desires. And the Bible says we, we, we battle in this realm. We want to do what is right, but we find it difficult. So how do we know what the desires of God are in our lives? There's only one way to know that, and that is to get close to the Holy Spirit, because His job is to show us what the desires of God are. And in that one, the more you understand what the desires of God are, the easier the journey comes. And Rick's got this thing where he talks about of it, Christianity is not behavior modification. It's not something, I'm going uh, to believe, I'm going to behave myself, I'm going to do all of this, you know, and making yourself into a better Christian. But as you partner with Holy Spirit and he brings you revelation about what the desires of God are for you in your life, you become that which God wants you to be. And so it's a very, very important thing as we move into that one. That's why it's so important to walk our lives controlled by the Spirit every day, moment by moment of each day. As I said before, Paul calls it walking in the Spirit. That is what we have to do. We have to make sure that we are tuned in to the Spirit of God. The other day, I, I've been working on building my own home. What a journey that has been. I've only got a matter of weeks to go now, and I'll get in. Praise God. But the other day, I, being a real tradie now, I had my tradie radio, Makita, you know, battery radio. That was good. It's a digital one. The only trouble is, I couldn't tune it in to a station. <laughs> I was getting so frustrated. I had work to do, and this thing's in the background going, <laughs> you know, and I'm hearing a song every now and again, and it was frustrating. So I did what every good husband does. I gave it to Susan, and I said, can you take this, please, and find out how to tune this in for me, please? When she brought it back, it was all lovely tuned, and I listened to nice music for the rest of the day. There is nothing worse in a Christian life than walking not in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because the devil comes to take us out of tune. He comes to make sure that channel's not tuned in. But God wants us to make sure that we are tuned in to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And in that one, we can then do what he wants us to do. 
We have to choose to put ourselves into a place to hear from Holy Spirit. Not just carry on with your life and hope it's gonna happen. It does, praise God for his mercy and his grace. But we have to choose to press in to the presence of God. I think that's why the discipleship process is so important to me because it shows me people that are trying to tune in to the presence of Holy Spirit. Discipleship relationships come in all shapes and sizes. The other day, um, I was blessed because, you see, my dad's here today. Um, Dad's uh, 88 years of age. And uh, my dad and I actually share a discipleship relationship in God. Dad and I got saved the very same day, back in about 1975, 1976. And Dad and I went forward at a, um, at a, uh, at a I'll say it, um, crossing the switchblade. Um, anyway, um, his name, Nicky Cruz. We went forward at the Nicky Cruz crusade, and Dad and I gave our hearts to the Lord that same day. But over the years, my dad and I have been able to share a discipleship relationship with one another. And my dad allows me to talk into his life. Now, that's a real honor because I respect my dad and I honor him as my father, you know. But my father recognizes that I've got something maybe spiritually that I can put into his life as well. So my dad, rather than thinking, hey, I'm the father, you're the son, don't try and tell me what to do. My father can come, and in humbleness, he allows me to speak into his life from time to time. That is so key to what a discipleship relationship is about, dropping our guard, allowing people into our lives, allowing them to speak to us and to challenge us. You know, that day as I walked into the house, saw dad, and I said, how are you doing, dad? As you do when you say hello to somebody. The difference is the answer that I got. Yeah, fine, it wasn't that. My dad said to me, well, I'm actually doing it tough today. It's been a hard day. I said, okay, Dad, come on, let's go outside. So we went outside and we sat in the um, chairs out on the balcony there and I said, what's going on? And Dad outlaid for me, you know, what had been happening. And right there, we just started to talk we started to share with one another. We started to talk about the things of the spirit and maybe what had happened. And in that moment, not only did hopefully dad get something that helped him as he was on a difficult day, but I left there that day feeling absolutely uh, blessed and empowered because God had able to use me to speak into my dad's life. Not that I use that as a, something great, but just the honor the honor and the privilege of being able to walk with God. But as we're sitting there talking, you know, Dad actually shared a little story with me. And he actually told me that only about the week before this happened, and it was only just a couple of weeks ago that this actually happened, that the week before that, Dad had been up at Coles, and Dad's doing the shopping nowadays up at uh, Coles at North Richmond there. And as he was walking around, you know, he was looking at people and what you could see of them. <laughs> and he said, but people looked confused, they look unhappy, he said, he was just looking at their faces and they were helter-skelter and he was suddenly in his spirit was moved that he, he thought, they don't look right. 
and he's like, God, what's going on here? And as he was sort of doing this, he felt God say to him, they need acknowledgement. And he's thinking, acknowledgement? What do you mean? He says, they need to know that somebody sees them. They need to be acknowledged. They need somebody to see them. And so the Holy Spirit at that moment said to my dad, now my dad is not my mum. <laughs> my dad is not the sanguine, sanguine one of the family here, <laughs> okay? God said to my dad, I want you to say hello to people. I want you to just see somebody, walk up to them, ask them, how are you doing today? You well? Good morning to you. And he went around doing this, and he said, it was amazing the reaction that he got from so many people as he stepped out of his comfort zone and started to do what the Spirit had asked him to do. See, that is so much what walking in the Spirit is about. It's not doing what we want to do, but listening to the promptings of what God wants us to do, following his leading. And when he asks you something, actually doing it. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak, don't stay silent. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to give someone, don't hold on to offense. When the Spirit prompts you to act, just do it. See, disobeying or resisting the Spirit's leading is called quenching the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. And I share this with you because it's had a profound effect on my life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's in the Passion Translation. In the message it says, Don't suppress the Spirit. In the NLT version, it says, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. That's amazing to think that the God of the universe says to us that we have the power to stifle, to suppress, to stop the Holy Spirit from doing in our lives something. I was thinking about that in Jesus when he went to his own hometown and he made this amazing statement, I can't do many miracles here because you won't believe. Jesus Christ. So we have a role to play here. He gives us the place where we have to press in and give permission, as it were, for God. We have to fan the flames of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Not just stand back and let God light the fire. He's done that when we got saved. He's put the Holy Spirit into us. When we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, yes, that happened. But from that point, we continue to blow on that flame to ignite it and give it the oxygen so that it continue to grow. As I was thinking about this, I thought, around this building here, we've got lots of extinguishers. In that cupboard over there and places, we've got fire extinguishers. A lot of the fire extinguishers in here are CO2, carbon dioxide extinguishers. I actually went and I was talking about this with... Um, um, I'll say this just the other day, and I fired the thing off and made it went off with a bang. I thought about doing it here, but I might scare you all. But the thing about a CO2 um, extinguisher is when you fire it, this gas comes out, and you fire it at the base of the flame of the, where the fire is, and what it does, it actually pushes out all of the oxygen. It takes all the oxygen out of the air around that fire and therefore puts the fire out. And so in our lives, we have to make sure that we're in a place where we are feeding oxygen into the fire of God, not sucking it back out. 
being in a discipleship relationship with other people. That's a good way of putting oxygen into the fire of God. Submitting ourselves to other people, asking them to speak into our lives, giving them the permission to challenge us when they see things in our lives that maybe need to be challenged. Those are places where we can feed oxygen into our lives. We get fired up when we read the word of God in the power of the spirit. When we sit in a sermon, we don't just listen, but we listen with the ears of the spirit and we get revelation from God as we start to hear the word spoken out. When we allow people to speak into our lives. When we're in the worship service, you know, I thought about that before. Susan, who was up on the stage there, and the journeys she's done. She was that little boy at one point. I've known her since she was 14 years of age. And when she had her little electric guitar singing her little songs, she's walked a journey with the master, learning the craft of music. She now disciples others through that gift that she's walked with Holy Spirit when we're responding to the promptings of God, when we do that, it fires us up and it puts oxygen in our lives. When we start to open ourselves up to the spiritual gifts and we say, God, use me, that allows oxygen to come into us. We don't do this in our own strength and never relegate the Holy Spirit to an abstract thought. He is an He is a person, as it were. He's an entity that's in our lives. He has... um, a personality. Another reason that people sometimes fail to walk in the Spirit or to mature, as it were, is by doing the things that the Spirit warns them not to do. If you begin to veer off the road of God's will, maybe, He will speak to you, He'll warn you, often maybe through other people or maybe in your own quiet time, through your own studies. But God will come to us and He will actually uh, warn us and, and He'll bring challenge to us. But if you ignore those spirits' warnings, that's called grieving the spirit. Ephesians 4 and verse 29, it says, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. I'll get the band to come on up if I could. That last sentence, so never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. That's an amazing thing to think that he is such a person, as it were, that we could grieve him. When I understood that, I understood the importance that he had in my life. So repeatedly, either quenching the spirit, that is uh, ignoring him or not letting, listening to him, or grieving the spirit by not doing what he tells us to do, can actually bring to a halt spiritual growth in our lives. So we need to make sure that we keep on pressing into his place, into his presence. I've been impacted and challenged in my life by many, many people as God has allowed people to disciple me. Just the other day, Rick came over to my place and he said, look, I come over here to help you build. He gave me a couple of hours at the house. And as we were standing there, I just wanted to say to him yet again, Rick, I open myself up to you. I want you to be able to always feel free. I don't want to stand back and say, I'm Pastor Andrew, I've been doing this a lot longer than you, you know. No, I want to come and say, Rick, I want you to disciple me. 
and give you the privilege, or not the privilege, the, the, I want to give you the, the ability to be able to speak into my life. Have you done that with people? Have you asked people to speak into your life? I've had the incredible privilege of having many people that I've discipled along the way who actually asked me to be able to disciple them. I've had those moments on many, many occasions in my own home, behind closed doors, on my own, where Holy Spirit has discipled me, where He's helped me in my own personality, struggles that I've had, and that's an ongoing journey. I said, I've been walking with the Holy Spirit for a long, long time now, but I still feel like I have so far to go. I still have those moments, and so I know I need to keep pressing into His presence. And I'm always wondering, Lord, I want You to speak into my life. There's nearly every day of my life, one of my habits is waking up in the morning and saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. I invite you into my day and I ask you to guide and direct me in everything that I say and do today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's just a practice that I've developed in my life because I want to acknowledge Him and breathe oxygen into His presence in my life. Romans 8, 14 says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, today I ask you to renew yourself in people's lives right now. Wherever people are, Lord. Maybe they've been feeling a bit distant from you. Their routines have been thrown out of whack. They don't have maybe the same practices they've had and they're feeling a bit distant. Right now, Holy Spirit, touch people's lives. As people take this moment to take stock of where they are, we want to give you permission to speak into our lives, to touch those vulnerable areas that maybe need to be touched. Maybe there's things that He's been asking you to do, areas he's been touching, and you've been resisting that, resisting that. Well, right now, I want people to say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for grieving you. I'm sorry that I've not dealt with that. And right now, I ask you to come and to complete that work in me. Holy Spirit, we come right now, and if we've ever quenched you, if we've ever ignored you, if we've ever not taken you seriously in our lives, the gifts that you've given us, the abilities to have spiritual languages and the gifts to minister in other people's lives, we want to embrace those things. We want them to impact our lives. We don't want to be just in our own bubble, but we want to break beyond that and we want to be able to touch other people's lives. We want to be discipled and we want to disciple others. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, I just pray your blessing on all of the church now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that today. Thank you for everybody that's uh, been watching on TV, wherever you are. And um, farewell to you. Go in God and enjoy your day. Thank you. Okay.